Now, it's time for the Cybersecurity News Bite with Jim Guckin. Cybersecurity News Bite, episode number 60. For June 12th, 2023, easily exploitable Microsoft Visual Studio bug, cybersecurity awareness takes center stage, picture-in-picture technique exploited in new deceptive phishing attack, and a POC is released for a Windows Win32K bug exploited in attacks. Hello everyone and welcome back to the show. I am your host, Jim Guckin, and it is so great once again to uh, to, to see you all. Um, if you haven't noticed uh, on our YouTube site, or on my YouTube site technically, um, we used to just have the background while the podcast was kind of playing underneath it. Now we have a whole... Uh, webcam, you can see me kind of uh, doing the show, so slightly getting better technically at doing this stuff. It's only it's only taken a year and a half uh, and sixty or so episodes, but don't worry, we're 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 getting this down. So thanks for joining us uh, for this first uh, story. It's actually very interesting because there's a bug in Microsoft Visual Studio Installer, and it is actually in multiple versions of uh, Visual Studio. Specifically, the integrated development environment, the IDE, uh, from versions 2017 all the way up to 2022. And what does this bug do and why are we talking about it on the show? Why would it be important? Well, hackers can create malicious extensions and then get those extensions to the application developers. Uh, and this, they kind of use some tricks and they make it pretend like they are legitimate software publishers uh, to get installers to kind of install this kind of software. So, uh, once they do, they can kind of infiltrate your development environment. They can take control of the device that's using it, hopefully, you know, hoping that it will eventually go into your normal environment. Uh, they could also uh, inject code into your code, which would poison it to do whatever evil things hackers want to do with these days. And it could be used for the most important thing, which is to steal high intellectual property from your organization. So this bug does have a CVE track to it. It is CVE 2023-28299. Uh, and Microsoft has released a patch. This, this is kind of why they're they're talking about it now is because the patch has been released. Uh, so in April, security update, so beginning of April, uh, second Tuesday in April, uh, they pushed out this update. And now it's patched, if, as long as you're the kind of person that keeps up to date with your patches. Uh, Microsoft says it's a moderate severity bug, uh, and attackers are far less likely to exploit this bug. And that's Microsoft's take. Uh, the interesting thing was uh, Veronis, uh, the security company, has come out with a whole different take on this. And they're like, look, this is easily exploitable. And about 26% of the market share has uh, this software installed. So why wouldn't an attacker want to uh, proceed to take advantage of this bug that's out there? And so it comes down to how does this attack really work? Well, first, like almost everything we discuss here, it comes down to a social engineering or a phishing kind of attack. They somehow get the malicious extension uh, to the software developers, uh, whether it's like a site that contains um, cracked versions of software, which are very popular uh, because people don't want to pay a lot of money sometimes for the software. So they just go to a site that that has it cracked. Uh, There's typo squatting on known domains. Uh, Anyway, somehow they get it to you. Uh, The most easy way is uh, an open Visual Studio extension, which is VSIX extension, that is packaged as a .zip file. And um, you install this. And what is interesting about this attack is 
it's pretty much adding what they call new line characters to a tag in the extension.vsix manifest file. And a new, new, new line character is something that developers use to denote the end of a line of text. So they can move to the next one. So think, you know, if you're not a programmer, this is like the return key. Hit return, it kind of jumps back to the, 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 the next line, the first spot. So apparently, if you add enough of these new line characters or, you know, hit return a bunch of times, uh, it forces all the other text to kind of move down on the window for the extension. And what is great about this from a hacker standpoint is, is it hides warnings that the extension may not be digitally signed. They want to, they want you to believe it's a, it's a valid extension, so it has to pretend like it's signed officially. But if it's all the way down at the bottom, it's off the screen, you can't see it. So it tricks these developers into uh, installing this malware, thinking it's legitimate when it's not. And that's... You know, why there hasn't been any, you know, news that this was something that was definitely cracked and definitely people are using in the wild. I can see hackers using this because one, it requires you to trust them. And two, you know, honestly, in, in my time with developers, um, which are great people, they're not often security minded. They're, they're about getting their tasks done and moving along. They'll use whatever tools they can do to get it done. And sometimes that leads to a system that is easily exploitable. And sometimes they have, in most organizations, uh, pretty much admin permissions. Uh, they need to be able to install tools and run debugs and run their code, install their code, decompile the code, all this which requires admin rights. So it makes it for a very fresh level of attack for these hackers. So why it's not currently done, it is something that is kind of easily done. It's very easily exploitable because all you got to do is install this fake extension that they have only the fake file that they've given you through some kind of deceptive means i mean i can't, i really can't see like a phishing technique maybe working on this but I, I can see uh you know um a typo squatted domain you mistype it or an email saying hey look here's a new plugin we get uh, those are more likely the scenarios an attacker may use um but that's why you should only go to trusted locations like the Microsoft Store when you're installing these kind of applications because you want to be able to trust where it's coming from. And like anything else, you kind of also want to vet where it's coming from. You want to make sure that the trusted source you're getting this file is someone you've trusted, someone you've gone to over and over again. Um, because anyone who has a regular need to be an administrator. And look, in my day-to-day -day life, where I work, I am not running my computer as an administrator. I don't want to run my computer as an administrator. Uh, I only use it when absolutely necessary. And in fact, more often than not, I go to to, to our desk side support and ask them to install things for me. Because I don't want, one, for me to install something that I stupidly trust. I always rather have a sec separate set of eyes looking at this for me and going, Hey, look, Jim, this is a little iffy. Um, but two, so this is what happens. You get bad code in your system. You run admin all the time. It gains it. And if you're a developer and you don't have a develop, developer-centric machine, and your, your machine, you know, when you're developing sits in the development environment, if you have a development environment, or, you know, when you're done, you, you switch back to your uh, production environment. Uh, and now the code can now propagate on that network. 
So why this is not something that is um, exploited in the wild that I've seen, it is patched. So just make sure you run the patch uh, from Microsoft from April. You should be running them uh, almost every month at this point. Um, but you've now had, what, April, May, June. There's, there's two other update cycles that have gone by in this time frame. So make sure you can update as, as quick as possible uh, to patch yourself for this bug and make sure that it is no longer something that is bothering you. Um, but shows you, goes to show you, you know, Microsoft has these bugs. People find them all the time, and we just kind of have to deal with them from one spot to another. So for our second story this week, uh, actually comes from uh, Fortinet. Uh, and they talk about, in their fifth annual Fortinet State of OT and Cybersecurity Report, OT, if you don't know, stands for Operational Technology, uh, is a report that kind of uh, does something that I think is very important, which is it, it talks about the importance of cybersecurity awareness. Uh, so this report from Fortinet was done by a third party. There is about a 507 technology professionals that they have uh talked about or, 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 or queried for this um, just so that, you know, I guess so it's not biased. I, I guess that's probably the way to, to look at it. Um, but it is very interesting to see the look at this um, from it. So the results of this show that about 84, uh, 84% of the organizations that they kind of talked with experienced one or more breaches back in 2022. So that means... <laughs> I mean, a good chunk of people have had some level of breach uh, in 2022. And that should go to show you something that's very scary from the aspect of your organization. And, and you know, I've gone back and forth with my love or hate for the description of, you know, it's not if, it's when. But this kind of goes to show you that. Now, I would say this next stat... Well, let's talk about the stat and then we'll talk about where I think about it. So 90% of leaders believe that the increase, that increased employee cybersecurity and awareness would help to decrease the occurrence of cyber attacks. And why on the face of this, I 100% believe, I don't think there's a security professional around who would not say, look, if people were more aware, then we would have less breaches. That's, that's a good fact. But I think there is a level of cybersecurity awareness that's not just the repetitive stuff. You have to make them understand the core concept of what you're looking for. Uh, and, and this is this is a tough topic. Uh, and I don't think I have all the answers for this. But I found it's a lot easier than just saying, well, if the address doesn't match or maybe the, the, the wording seems a little off on it, um, there ha you, ha you have to give it like a little more in-depth because hackers now have gotten very aware of what your cybersecurity awareness looks like. And so your basic cybersecurity awareness that people go is like, make sure the email address matches, make sure it's not a type of squad domain, make sure that the link you hover over, those are all great. But some of the uh, attacks we've talked about on this very show are legitimately coming from Microsoft's or Box's or any one of these uh, file sharing services that we use legitimately as day-to-day -day business things to share malicious files. And because they come from Microsoft, or they come from Box, or they come from Dropbox, they look legitimate. They, they are legitimately from those. There's no typo squad domain. There's no bad URL. These are legitimate. But this is why you have to take the next step and understand 
or your your end users have to understand why they are looking at things and what they should be really, you know, one step removed looking at. But yeah, the easy things are the domain names, the the who's it coming from, is it spoof domain? Those are easy things to kind of look at. Um, but why are they looking for it? If it does come from a legitimate domain, doesn't mean it's a legitimate email. Do you trust it? Are you expecting something? And I had a scenario that came from that a business email compromise it happens all the time. Uh, but luckily a user was like, this just doesn't seem right. And then, but looking at it at first, I was like, all right, it looks like something might, might, might be legit. And then when I dove into it, then I d discovered, you know, it was, it was definitely a phishing email. It wasn't hard. It was just one step more than the user did, but the user was good enough to know, look, I've never talked to this person. It's a legitimate domain. The person had a LinkedIn profile. It just seemed off. And then at the end, there was a phishing email. And then we found out it was a business compromise, a business email compromise. So everything we would have taught the users kind of get somewhat sidetracked. It was from a business we did. We did from was not a person they were familiar with. But, you know, it, it's one of those things where you have to keep the cybersecurity awareness training can't be the same one from five, ten years ago. It cannot. It has to change. It has to update. It has to constantly be evolving with the tactics so that you arm your people there. So yes, I believe, like the 9% of people, that cybersecurity awareness does help decrease t attacks, but better cybersecurity awareness uh, is something that we need to do. Uh, also, they said about 81% of organizations faced malware, phishing, and password attacks last year, which mainly were targeted at users. And I'm kind of surprised it's only 81%. Um, I, I think almost every organization at someone gets at least a phishing campaign, at least a phishing campaign. Um, but I've seen malware attacks. I've seen password sprays. Maybe the organizations they, they talked to didn't have the tools in which to kind of really see these kind of attacks. But uh, trust me, they're happening. Uh, and they're often targeted users because once they get a user account, they can kind of pivot or uh, further dig themselves into an environment. Um, because once again, once you're in, you're a trusted person. So, you know, Bob from accounting emails you a document that has the accounting files. That seems slightly more legitimate. So, yeah, I can see it aimed at, at, at users. And once again, admins usually have MFA or other things turned on the computer. Might be slightly uh, higher uh, threshold to kind of get in for it. Now, 85% of leaders in the study said that their, uh, their organization has security awareness training program. Uh, which, honestly, how... How is the fifteen percent not have a cybersecurity? Like, I don't. Even, I'm not even like a good one. Like, they don't have any cybersecurity awareness training. Um, I, I think that is that is like a necessity. That's like sexual harassment training at this point. You have to have it as part of your your onboarding uh, process for not only contractors uh, but full time employees, people working for you, people working, you know, vendors. Make sure that they're doing this stuff. Like that. That it, it, it's key. How are you not even doing this nowadays? Um, but the funny thing is, uh, out of the 85% who say they have a cybersecurity awareness training, which goes to my point from earlier, only 50% believe the employees still lack cybersecurity knowledge. Meaning that if you have a cybersecurity awareness program, there's a 50-50 chance if you actually have the uh, cybersecurity knowledge that your organization thinks that their employees need. And I will tell you, uh, one of the first ones, just because I am notorious for this, is... If you give me the option of taking the test before uh, reading the material, I that's what I will do. I will try to brute force that test every time. And I work in security, so it's it, one, it's stuff I know already, so I shouldn't have to necessarily take a course to understand it. But the problem is it's just not engaging. 
uh, and I've said this a bunch of times, I love training courses, but they have to be engaging. They have to be useful. You can't just regurgitate facts at me and expect me to, to you know, fully take that in. Uh, and I think real cybersecurity training is not just a one-and-done thing. It's not, you know, every once a year you just sit through this course and that's it. It's something that you have to kind of grow and foster over a period of time. Yes, fish, you know, internal phishing um, campaigns where you try to catch people, those are all great things. But it has to be done in a way in which your users really understand the assignment that was was, was given to them. How to find malicious emails. And really understand your percentages when you do uh, your, your kind of testing the employees or how many how much people retain that information. Because I'll tell you, most organizations you get there and you are just filled with a whole bunch of corporate policy from day one and you learn it just enough to take the test and then you move on and a lot of it's there. And that is it. Cybersecurity is my, my, you know, my passion, which is why, you know, I deal with it. But... Think of all those other policies that kind of fall to the wayside because you're, you're having all that information thrown on you. I know that every time I've ever been in an organization, uh, the first week you get introduced to like 50,000 people and you retain like one-tenth of their names. And that is kind of the same way you should look at, you know, these training procedures that are going on because people don't necessarily always know what they should know and why. That's what I said. Everyone knows don't click the phishing link, don't open this, uh, don't go to web pages. But in reality, what does that really mean? That's something we have to do. Now, another interesting fact, 93% of organizations indicated their board of directors are asking about their organization's cyber defense and strategy. And that goes to show you, uh, at least from a, a broader business sense, that cybersecurity has slowly moved from one of those things that you know, have kind of set in the background in the dark end of uh, most organizations. And now we're kind of moving forward to it. And you're, you're kind of seeing what that uh, looks like. You know, boards take this as part of their business strategy now. Now, in this, I'm not saying they're going to start throwing money at a security program, uh, and nor should you, you know, recklessly just throw money at a cybersecurity program. Uh, but it's interesting that they're starting to ask questions. They're starting to take interest. I still think we have a way to go when it comes to a lot of businesses and their understanding, their true understanding of cyber. Um, they may know like high level facts and kind of why things should be done. Um, but at least in my opinion, it needs to be something that is more built into the foundation of organizations and it's kind of being adopted but I don't think it's being necessarily internalized in all levels of operation. Tends to be cybersecurity is one of those things where it's part of the process, but it's like five steps down the process versus having a really well thought out cybersecurity program in which it is in the inception of most business organizations. Now, not often do I get to talk about a new phishing campaign technique, uh, but I, I kind of like this one. Uh, because it, 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 it preys on people's trust, which is what every great social engineering uh, tactic will do, is praying that you will trust the technique enough to make an action without really thinking upon it. So this new phishing campaign uses some sophisticated obfuscation tactics. Uh, and what they do is they deceive unsuspecting users into visiting malicious websites uh, and disclosing any kind of sensitive person, per, yeah, 
personal or private or sensitive information. And they're doing this by hiding malicious links in images. Uh, and there have been a lot of people seeing this, uh, especially with uh, very known brands like Delta Airlines and Kohl's. You know, the people you expect to get the email from and the little link with the box and says click here for the 10% or whatever, whatever the sale is they're trying to do. And what cybersecurity experts are calling picture-in-picture picture technique. Uh, so picture-in-picture, picture, uh, you know, tends to draw up that the old TV or or, or the way you, you, you have your video up and they have a video in the corner, that kind of thing. And as I said, it's totally made to trust their users, the user's trust in the brand that they are clicking on. And they are embedding these images with bad URLs. Uh, often hackers take a link, um, a, a, an image, a QR code, or some other malicious, and they hide it in that image. So when you click it, you're not really seeing you can't start to hover over stuff like that like you would for normal images. You just click it and it takes you where you need to go. Especially seeing this a lot, and we've talked about this on the show, QR codes. Uh, QR codes right now, there's not uh, a lot of security softwares, if maybe a handful of them, that will look at a QR code and decode it. Uh, instead, it kind of just comes through as an image, and most security software will ignore it. Um, so this is very evil, um, and it cannot be just like QR codes. It could be just like, "Hey, go to this URL, special for you: https colon slash slash malicious dot link slash one two three four five, and get your ten percent off." Like these are the kind of things because you can't, you're not OCRing that image. You're not looking at it uh, from a security software standpoint. Uh, now, users are looking at it and users are using it, uh, but it's kind of kind of a smart way of doing this. Um, and it's a, a new kind of way of the attack going on. Now, it might have been around before. I, this is the first one I've seen about this, which makes it a very interesting attack for me. Um, but I just want to make this very clear that these kind of attacks, and I've talked about how the QR code attacks, um, I was afraid were going to come up more and more. Uh, especially in emails, especially in emails, because it said your security software will take a look at text, at links, at everything that exists in the email, except for images. So now we need to, as security professionals, be aware of what images are coming across. Now, thank God Outlook for most times, if it's not trusted domain, will not display the, the pictures by default. But it asks the user, just goes, hey, do you, want to, do you want to display this image? And all they have to do is right-click and say yes, or click and say show images. And it's there. Um, so it's not much we can do right now from that. I'm sure technology is going to increase, and we're going to start seeing a lot more companies come out with ways of doing this. But just be aware that this is coming, and this is something that we need to kind of deal with, because hackers are going to continue to understand our ways. Because first of all, there are thousands of places you can go to find out how you should protect your network, what you should be teaching your users. Hackers are using those same resources when planning attacks. So you should think if I know this, if this is the way I'm teaching my users to protect themselves from hackers, then hackers know I'm teaching my users how to protect themselves from hackers in this way. And all they got to do is either be smart enough to kind of, you know, tweak it just a little bit or just bypass it some other way that we weren't expecting and, and move on. So this picture-in-picture picture attack is one of those ways where, look, 
we've taken away images, we've done all this other stuff, and now comes the particular spot where they're just putting it in QR codes or a simple URL and an image, and it's getting by our security software. Now, hopefully you have other software to kind of block the site from detecting it, whether it's like Microsoft's 365 safe clicks or safe links or um, some other vendor which is scanning the URL before a uh, user gets it. Um, but that's what you're going to have to do because th this is the whole new way of doing uh, phishing and why it's very small right now. Give it a little while and it will become something all the rage. I guarantee it. Now for our final story, uh, which is actually very interesting. Uh, because Avast, the security company, has released a proof-of-concept code for a privilege escalation vulnerability that, if you have May 2023's Microsoft patch, is already patched, um, but the proof-of-concept code exists out there, and it is actively being used in zero-days attacks. In fact, it was discovered by Avast as an active exploit in a zero-day attack. So a cybersecurity firm, Newman, released the full technical details uh, and the POC exploit for a Windows Server 2016 um, version of this bug. Uh, now, if you want to know, it's tracked as CVE 2023-29336, which has a CVSS score of 7.8 out of 10, 10 being the worst, so it's pretty high up there. It, it all it requires is low privileged user to gain access to Windows system privileges. So what that means is that if you have a user of any user level that's able to have any kind of authentication, it, you can run something. This bug, this Win32K bug, allows you to run it as the system privileges, which are pretty much admin. Now, Microsoft tells us it only affects older versions of Windows, which I thought was hysterical because when I looked at what that meant, it included older versions of Windows 10. Uh, to me, that's not an older version, but technically it is. Now, the only version that right now is really safe is a Win Windows 11 uh, because that's non-exploitable. Now, once again, clearly there is a patch out for this last month, so you're within 30 days of the patching cycle. And what's interesting is, is because the vulnerability is there because obsolete code is being copied over uh, by newer Win32K versions. Uh, and it leaves menu objects vulnerable to tampering or hijacking. Uh, because if the attacker alters a specific address in the memory and swaps it out with the code at once, it'll run that code as the, as the menu which is running as full system control, which is admin rights. Now, the application you may run may not have admin rights, but your core operating system, the, the, the core of that system, is running with admin. Um, and that could be very dangerous. And even if, the, for some reason, your menu is not running as admin, it, it gains whatever privileges you have, and they can kind of wiggle it more into whatever they need. So it's a very, very dangerous bug out there. Um, but once again, like I like the fact that these are the ones I talked about, at least this week, are already patched. You just have to keep up with it. Once again, the other one was, was, was two cycles ago. This one was one cycle ago. So this may still be something that is exploitable and something you have to realize that you want to patch this because it's being actively, explo actually actively exploited by hackers right now. They're targeting systems with this. 
for more information, once again, you go to go to the CVE, find it 2023-29336, and get more information on it. But it's something I recommend you highly go and make sure all your Windows versions are up to date so that you close this loophole for running things uh, with system privileges because it's, it's not the kind of attack you want. And at minimum, what it does is let them exploit the system so that they can then launch further attacks into the system. Or, God forbid, you have, like, um, cash credentials on the machine or admin credentials that are somehow ca- cached, and they're able to pull it out of memory. Those are bad things. Just better off to get this patched and, and try to protect yourself. Thank you so much for listening to the show this week. I really do appreciate it. Um, don't forget, you can go to our website, uh, cybersecuritynewsbyte.com. It contains the show notes and links for the stories here, so you can get more information from there. You can always uh, contact me, me at jimguckin.com. You can visit uh, my website, jimguckin.com, uh, kind of like the email address. Um, I'll make sure I catch you next week, and make sure you stay safe online. You've been listening to the Cybersecurity News Byte with Jim Guckin. Learn more about our show at cybersecuritynewsbyte.com. 